What's on the silver screen? I got some takes you wouldn't believe. Welcome to another episode of the Popmosis Film. I'm Paul, and we have here Josiah and Tyler. Yeah. And uh, today we actually are going to discuss a movie called Willy Wonka, um, another movie that's near and dear to my heart, just like Hook. Um, it's uh, starring Gene Wilder. And, uh, you know, to be honest, there's a lot that's already been said about this movie. Yeah. Mainly this pod. This podcast, we're just going to talk about our impressions and our thoughts about this movie, our relationship to it, and uh, you know that's pretty much it. But um, Josiah, can you go ahead and uh, tell us about the movie? Sure, I'll do that first. I want to say I I'm pretty sure I have some revolutionary and groundbreaking things that you, about this film to hear. So just listen all the way through the end of the episode, and if I don't say anything that interesting, just keep listening. I hope this movie has nothing to do with candy. <laughs> It, it, that's that's one thing I do have to say. So <laughs> this film was <laughs> released on June 30th, 1971, which I think this by a far makes it the oldest movie we've talked about. I, at this point, we've talked about the oldest film we talked about is Dark Crystal, which came out in 1982. Yeah. Right. I don't think. We, yeah. So this is the oldest film. It predates all of us, which is the first film certainly that has predated everyone on this podcast. It was directed by Mel Stewart, and the interesting thing, looking at Mel Stewart's career, did not direct a lot of, like, narrative film. Mostly a documentary filmmaker. In the 80s, he did The Ripley's Believe It or Not with the Jack Palance version, which I was all about as a kid. Not really in the 80s, but later when they would air them on the Sci-Fi Channel, I would watch those reruns of Ripley's from the 80s and love that show. So it's just kind of interesting that the director of... Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory directed the Ripley show that I watched, and finding that connection now is somewhat significant. It's based on a book. Yeah, by Roald Dahl. Have you guys heard of this book? Yes, sir. Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. And he actually is credited. He wrote the screenplay, but he's not really the writer of the screenplay. So he wrote the screenplay, but it was actually rewritten by David Seltzer, and the kind of the producers kind of came in because they felt that the version he gave them wasn't totally working. So therefore, he kind of disowned the movie and did not sell the sequel rights for that reason. He was not happy with the way they went. Um, one of the big things was the Slugworth character that they added in there. So that's it. Oh, God. Gene okay. Wilder. I have a lot to say about that. Also, a sequel. Yeah, uh, Charlie in the Great Glass Elevator is the sequel book. Oh. Yeah. So uh, before we get to that, so Gene Wilder, in mentioning the cast, it's a bunch of kids nobody knows. Gene Wilder as the titular Willy Wonka who does not show up, blew my mind, until 45 minutes into the movie. Um, and one of the other significant behind-the-scenes people is Harper Goff, who was the production designer. Uh, he's art director on this specifically, worked with Walt Disney specifically uh, in the design of a lot of things at Disneyland, such as Jungle Cruise, things like that. So Harper Goff, it made, it on a budget of $3 million, it made $4.5 million at the box office. Just context, the remake, the budget on the remake, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Tim Burton one was $150 million, and it made $475 million. So just how things have changed since the 70s oh, oh. to wow. the, what, that came out in 2005, I believe, uh, around there. 
And it is the only film that we've talked about so far. I don't know if Green Lantern might be, but it is in the National Film Registry. So that's the sort of cachet that this film has above everything else we've talked about. So at least it's kind of, I mean, that makes it in a sense a historical landmark. And the most interesting thing to me, so also uh, the book was published in 1964 and the movie came out in 1971, which it's kind of blows my mind when I think about that in terms of the time, because that's just, uh, what, seven years difference. It's essentially a contemporary book being made into a film. It is The Hunger Games or something, not in terms of tone, but in terms of here's this popular book. Let's make a movie about it a few years later. Whereas in my mind, the book has existed forever and all eternity. And it really isn't that much older than the movie. So it's just when I noticed those dates, I was like, oh, it's not as old as I thought. But the real interesting thing about this movie to me was learning the reason it's Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory and not Charlie in the Chocolate Factory like the book is because the Quaker Oats Company helped finance the film and was making this film, and they were going to start producing Wonka bars, and they wanted the name Willy Wonka in the title for that reason. So even though it's 1971, before we think about like the corporate synergy of all these big movie conglomerates and all that, that was the reason for the title change. When I learned that, it kind of like blew my mind, and especially for this being at the time where you think of like even commercial movies were more art, but... That is it. That's all I have sort of setting the stage for talking about a movie that I did love as a child. Hmm. So I have to say that this movie is one of those movies that is infinitely rewatchable. Whenever it's on, I'll I'll always watch it. I always really enjoy it. Um, And the thing that always really startles me is how the relationship between adults and kids. And it starts off in the candy shop where the candy owner uh, the shop owner, he's like singing about Candyman, and he lifts up the counter and hits his kid in the face and like stars his kid. And it's like kind of an action, it's kind of a goof, but it kind of like that is kind of like the spirit of a lot of <laughs> like the the play between the kids and the movie. Uh, and, and like for instance, Charlie walks over to the factory and sees like the Wonka lights light up in a magical way. And then he gets startled by this like crazy hobo that sells knives. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever been in there. Nobody goes out. And he like hobbles away as the knives are like swinging, dangling away. And like Charlie runs home and he tells his like Grandpa Joe, like, hey, I met a knife salesman that like creeped me out. And he's right about the, the you know, the, the chocolate factory. Like it never opens. You never see anybody go in and out of there. Yeah. And uh, so. I don't know. I, the thing that's always hilarious to me is just like how, first of all, it's the first movie where kids are assholes. And <laughs> second of all, it's like like a lot of the adults have like a total disregard for the kids. Like they don't yeah. look at them as like innocent, you know, little people. They look at them as like like kind of annoying, you know, like the kept that teacher in uh, Charlie Bucket's class. Yeah. He's very irritated with Charlie. Yeah, you know? and, and and he can't find the the percentage of two to one thousand, which is like insane that he's a teacher. <laughs> I think that's the joke yeah. there, though, too. Which is which is. Oh yeah. My wife is my wife is a math teacher, and she would definitely be offended by that. But me as a writer and English person, and I much more excel at that in history and things, and never been particularly good at math. I find that hilarious. <laughs> she probably would be like, "That joke is offensive," but I'm like, "That's the best joke in the movie." <laughs> I mean, that's that's something that always really sticks out. And, you know, I, I love the whole plot line. It's like, 
you know, you have this uh, little kid, this poor kid who has a heart of gold, and, you know, there's Willy Wonka with his chocolate factory. He releases these golden tickets to, you know, so the whole world can find them. And everybody wants to go in the, 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 the you know, get a golden ticket and go in the factory. And, uh, which is hilarious because, he, like, nowadays, I guess, especially, like, nobody would care to go to a, to a candy factory. Yeah. It would, <laughs> it would generate no interest. Like, nobody would, you know, yeah. give a shit, really. And, uh, I always really liked, the kind of segues to like, there's a, a guy that owns a computer that could find where the bars are. Oh, it's all like all those news. Bits. Yeah. Like there's all those news segment bits throughout the yeah. beginning of the film. Yeah. yeah. And it really like, kind of like, I, I love how it gives it like a kind of a witty tone to it, almost like a British comedy or something like gives it kind of like, uh, kind of like a, a humorous weight to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts? On this movie. Um, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first, Josiah? Well, I'll go first because I want to talk about something okay. first that's not necessarily the movie. So Got it. Um, this, the, the, the movie is significant in the book. So this is one of those movies that growing up you would watch it all the time on television. Yeah. And for the most part I feel like as a kid at least I would sort of tune in once they're in the factory and all the wacky things start happening. And I don't remember much of the beginning of the movie other than like the golden ticket and I've got a golden ticket and he's running and I remember that stuff. But I just the way I watched it was that because I never I don't know until that until now that I've ever watched the whole thing in one setting sitting. I'm not sure that I did. I don't think that I did because I know I never owned it in any capacity. I just watched it when it was on television on Saturday afternoon or what have you. But the real significance of this. So. As a kid, um, I was, and this is, I think this was, I hope this is why it happened. So I was sent to, I was in reading class, writing class, English class, what have you. And I was sent to a remedial English, right? So like you would be in the English class with the normal kids for the first part of it. And then they would send you out to go to the special reading or I forget what it was called. It was some name that was so insulting to me and humiliating. And I had to go this. And I was a kid who read a lot. I read books. I read comic books on my own, but I wasn't really great at schoolwork. And I didn't, this was in the fifth grade, but I didn't really try ever. I just didn't care. And I remember specifically being so embarrassed by going to this that I was just going to, once I was there, it kind of like, I think, and I think my parents wanted me put this remedial class so that I would get kicked in gear because they knew I wasn't as stupid as I was performing for lack of a better way to put it. And, but I went into this class and we read two books while I was there. I remember, and I just devoured them. One was a, a series of shorts called scary stories. You can tell in the dark. Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of those. So that oh, was the first one. read, And these, we didn't read them because we weren't reading. We weren't these, we, us kids in this class weren't sophisticated enough to read it. Mm-hmm. It was a book on tape. But the next book on tape was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I'd seen the movie. I had no idea it was a book because I was a clueless kid. And we started it on the tape, right, listening through it. And I couldn't get enough of it. So the the remedial English class thing, it wasn't every single day. It was just a few days a week. And I couldn't get enough of this book. I just wanted to hear the rest of it. So I went and read it all on my own. I loved it so much that I just went in the library and got a copy of the book and read the book as quickly as I could. And it's funny how that that book 
is probably what spurred me on to getting me out of that class, eventually working through a lot of schooling and a master's in writing, but it all traces back to that book. And I didn't even really think about it until watching this movie the other day that I kind of forgot that that was a really important moment in my own narrative as a writer. And it started with the book that this movie was based on. And at that point, I know I had seen the movie, but I definitely had not, as I said, read the book and I yeah. just devoured it. And it was like devoured it like a Wonka bar, like uh, Augustus Gloop eating a Wonka bar. So that said, <laughs> the movie I love and I still enjoy it. And I really love the songs, especially. I just enjoy the Golden Ticket song is just the, 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 the energy of the moment. And um, the Gene Wilder stuff like World of Imagination, the you know, like those songs that have like transcended the movie now, that one in particular, that is just when they play that, you know, in uh, like clip shows at the Oscars or something, when they want like a moment to make you feel something. Yeah. So that's kind of where the movie has resonance. It's less about the movie and more its cultural significance, which is almost why we talk about it's in the, the registry, uh, the, the national film registry for that reason, because it transcends even what the film itself is about. Yeah. It's kind of one of those movies. Hmm. But go ahead, Tyler. Um, so uh, even as a kid, I never was a fan of this film. And now watching it now, I actually like it way less than when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> I, I just took a drink of water. And I know, I'm so sorry. I sadly do not like this film. Um, I think that there are like I, I will uh, equate it to kind of like Hook, but I like Hook more. Um, there are things about this film I do love, and I think or I think Gene Wilder is perfect. I think he is like watching him was magical because of how weird he was, and I don't even know if it was choreographed or not. When he is singing in the world of uh, pure imagination, and he just has his cane out and he just puts it in front of the kids, I have a very sneaky suspicion that none of that was planned, and that he and that those kids being scared were all legitimate, like. I think he was being so weird. And I remember like even hearing about this before because I love Gene Wilder so much that like, he refused to do this movie unless they allowed him to do the limp and then him do yeah, the somersault. At, at the beginning, yeah. Like, oh like he was just like, I will not do this movie. And they're like, why? And he goes, because I want to, he goes, because I want them to, I think, what was it? Like, I, this is, and this is trivia. It's like years so, old, but like, yeah, well, I, what it was is at the beginning of the film, just to the context, if, if people don't remember, he, when they finally get to the factory, all the kids, the first time we see Wonka, he very slowly limps out and actually watched a documentary about like the making of that was from a DVD special feature last night. So he comes limping out and even crew members that didn't know the, the whole story behind his, like his ultimatum of not doing the movie didn't know if he got hurt because the way he was acting hurt and he comes forward, he very slowly limps up and then he does this like tumble cartwheel thing and it pops up when his cane gets stuck in the ground. And he said, it was because then he wanted you to not know the whole time out if he's telling the truth or if he's lying. And Gene Wilder in the interview was so great. He said he he told them that if he if you wouldn't let me do the limp, I wouldn't do the movie. And at the end of it, he goes, "And I meant it too." Yeah, like he was <laughs> dead serious. He's like, "I if you said no, I'm not doing this movie." And and totally, he makes the movie on yeah. every level. That's he, one he, thing. Watching it again, it's just he's so brilliant. His energy is phenomenal and I, I will say this like i do like the song true imagination i like i like when they're in the um you know going through the tunnel with that creepy song and everything like that 
Um, there are uh, things about this movie I do like. It's just I don't enjoy watching it because it's so freaking random and weird. Like Slug, whatever is so whatever. Like when he goes up to him in the cave and the in the in the uh, in the tunnel, it's like the creepiest thing in the world and so out of place. Like there's a lot of things in this movie, and I hate the Candyman song. I freaking hate that song. That actor is so creepy. That song is so bad. I, I I hate it. It is a bit, yeah. It is. It, it watching it now, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a creeper number at the beginning of the movie. And, <laughs> and you know, you can tell that that actor is trying so hard to not be creepy, but it's just like <laughs> you just can't. You can't when you're surrounded by that many kids and you're and they're like, and it's choreographed. Like all the movements, all the touching is all choreographed. So he can't go against whatever they told him to do. And he's trying so hard to have like this really innocent smile and like try to act like, hey, I'm just giving out free candy, even though that's exactly opposite of what I should be doing. <laughs> and uh, but like, ugh, it's so bad. Like all of it's so bad. But um, I I just get, I don't know. This movie to me is just, it's not magical. And I know obviously because I grew up way later with where technology was a lot more. But I think like comp- I, like comparing it to like Wizard of Oz, like the achievements of that film and um you know like a couple other fantasy films that come out around the same time like i don't equate this movie to like jason and the argonauts like clash of the titans and the and like was revaz i think that this movie is very different i think yes showing off asshole kids is, was cool and the kids are great the all the actors all the kids were so well acted and so good and they I, were really, yeah. I'm going to say something so bold. I actually like Tim Burton's version more, and I do not like Tim Burton. What? <laughs> I think that it... Well, be- why is that? Because this movie has so many things that are just that just cutaways of just things I don't care about. Um, I, don't, I don't dislike Tim Burton's movie, but I don't think I like it more. I, I, I don't think I like it less either. It's weird. I think... In part, I like this one more just because it's a musical. I yeah. think that's one I mean, thing that shines. But my uh, thought to before I lose this thought is kind of listen to you talk like, yeah, this isn't. It's not as good as Wizard of Oz, which came out almost what thirty years before it, like nineteen thirty nine, I believe. And that was a movie that I, as a kid, watched religiously. Watched yeah. that was magic for me in the late eighties. I had a copy of it that was the vhs which would probably be what the 50th anniversary came out in 1989 for christmas i got that and batman on vhs part of my christmas gifts and i watched those movies both over and over and over again and i would like i said i would i never felt the need to own the willy wonka movie yeah i just i would watch it and let it be whereas with with wizard of oz which i think is a good corollary in terms of the type of film the type of fantasy it is it's just not that it's like I I was thinking about it, the fact that Harper Goff was like a Disney guy who was the art director on this. It's almost like it's watching it now. It's not to disparage it. It's almost like a, like a, like a second level Disney movie or something. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like a lesser Mary Poppins to me now. Yeah. To me now. Mary Poppins is another one I absolutely adore. Yeah. I I will even say I'm not the biggest fan of Mary Poppins either, but I think Mary Poppins is a lot more of an achievement than this film with, the interacting of animation to live action with also like the, the, the insanity. Like, like I said, like I agree with you and actually like, you put into better words than I do. Like, I don't think anything that's bad. I don't think like, like none of, I'm not saying that none of it's an achievement. There's a lot of achievement in this film. However, I think com- like, you know, but comparing it to other, some other films that, that have come out, 
that that done a little bit more, like I would say, like yeah, Mary Poppins is 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 a phenomenal achievement over this film with what it did with storytelling, and also just uh, technically, and yeah. So and why I like Tim Burton's movies because it gets to the freaking factory within like 20 25 minutes where this movie it i looked at it it, it took 49 and a half minutes to get to the factory oh 49 i wrote 45 wow i was being it's generous 49 it's 49 <laughs> yeah it's on, on, on my timestamp right now it's 49 28 is when they finally make it into and then they have the signing of the contract which is the most boring scene i don't even remember that as a kid and they find one thing the one thing the Tim Burton movie did just to cut you off there it, it, that I thought was actually clever was it teases Willie before you uh, meet him. Yeah. So at the very beginning of the film, you get little like some of the backstories. You don't ever really see him, but you kind of get him interacting with like the story when his uh, when Charlie's grandpa Joe is telling the stories. Yeah. It, 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 and it, that helps, too, so that because you want to see Willy Wonka, especially the Gene Wilder version. You want to spend time with that guy. Yeah. And that's part of why it works, though. If you had two hours with him it's too much yeah but when you have 45 minutes it's like perfect perfect yeah but so, i also in terms of his part but i agree i i just want to get to the factory it's think... like we talked about our last episode with hook i just want to get to neverland i just want to get to the factory i want to get to the fantastical when you have a fantasy movie like that yeah i, I will say there's a, there's a difference between comparing that to hook where hook is it's a world that you already know about and there's already backstory that you do care about so like when i was a kid i liked him and, and Wendy and him and Toodles talking like I actually kind of like the human world because I'm like oh this is backstory like he look he's home and they get to exp they get to express and talk about all these amazing stories and then the kids get to hear it too like I love that where this movie like you said like we want to get to the factory because honestly none of that stuff matters to us at all because at least with Hook before they go to Neverland like there's still a connection and story to tell where this one is just like okay find the fucking ticket already okay just Go to the gate, like <laughs> do your somersault and let's go. Um. <laughs> I honestly think that I, I like that it doesn't kind of hint at Willy Wonka until he's revealed because he's like so mysterious, and and you don't you don't reveal until that that's you know the scene with the cane and the somersault. But I like I, I think the strength of this movie is its simplicity. You know, a yeah. lot of people can resonate like the, the the character of Charlie Bucket really resonates. With a lot of people that are like down and out, and then they, you yeah. know, go go into this like fantastical world, and then, you know, uh, almost failing. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, Charlie Barker just really resonates, and and I just like how, you know, it it shows the world's reaction to the chocolate factory, and how all these golden tickets are coming, and you see how the kids are, how like horrible they are. And how the juxtaposes with Charlie, who was like, you know, he gets the golden ticket because he's thinking about his grandfather and wants to buy him, yeah. his grandfather, so, a, a chocolate bar. That's the and other so thing. Did like, Willy Wonka plan for Charlie to get the ticket? I don't think it, any of it was planned. Okay. I think I think he was, he was hoping to find somebody to, you know, take over the, 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 the chocolate factory. And I honestly think that if Charlie didn't get it, it would have ended the way it was kind of hinted at, where like, hey, you guys can you go. Lose. You lose, you lose, exactly. <laughs> and then that would have been it. And you know, I think that's how it would have ended if Charlie wasn't there. But Charlie was that rare person that he gave that gobstopper back. Yeah. And you know, and few people would do that. But 
like Charlie was built up to be such a good person that you believe he would do that. And you believe that he deserves this factory. And, oh, yeah. and you know, so I, I like the fact that it kind of withholds from going to the chocolate factory and you meet Willy Wonka for a while because you use that time to really build up Charlie as this good person that like takes care of his grandparents yeah. that are like laying on the beds and, and takes care of his mother. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't love that part. Yeah. The grandparents, but I, I want to say, yeah, going off of what Paul's saying, uh, I love the character of Charlie and particularly in this version, kind of comparing it to the, the Tim Burton version, because this Charlie's like, he has a job. He's the newspaper boy. He's like trying to do for his family. So it means more when he gets that chocolate bar for his grandpa and yeah. he gives his last coin, like the, the set, like it's like he sacrifices for his family as opposed to just, because that's why it bothers me. The grandparents like this poor kid is out there working. You're just lying in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's like, one part of the drove me crazy with grandparents. I, I, I will say this. I was reading up some, some more trivia on this film as well. And it actually makes, I, I want to say this, it, that it makes so much sense in this film watching it. But the guy who played Grandpa George was nearly blind because of poison gas in World War One, So he was instructed to look at a red light to guide him. If you watch when they get released into the um, the, the first part with all like everything's edible and everything like that, he runs directly almost into a mushroom and you just see Charlie pull him out of the way. And th- throughout the movie, oh, shit. <laughs> like you see him... Like yeah, like like he, like he's not present. And now I'm watching it. As I the whole time, I'm like, I'm like, that's, that's odd. Why is he going there? Why is he doing that? Why is he looking that way? <laughs> and now it actually makes so much more sense. Like he did a great job, especially for almost being nearly blind. But like, like <laughs> just wanted to say that's 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 hilarious and sad at the same time. And you know, another thing about Charlie, what what really stands out is like. Whenever any of the kids go into danger, like when a goose is gloopy, falls in the river, he gets stuck in the pipe, and then he shoots out, you know, Willy Wonka's just like, oh, get it. You know, he plays his flute, the Oompa Loompas start dancing, and he's like, kind of doesn't give a shit. And then Charlie's like, hey, is he going to be okay? Like, you know, he's the only one that's concerned about the other kids. Yeah. Even though those yeah. kids don't give a shit about him. And, and like, yeah, he's, he's the only one that's like concerned. And I, it, I never noticed that before, uh, before you know, watching it. That that he's like he's the only one that's concerned, and I like that thread that you know he has that sense of empathy, and um, you know, what's hilarious to me is just how whenever you know, like when uh, what's her name, Violet Beauregard, she like swells up into like a, a blueberry. Yeah, they're like, oh well, she, you know, Gene Wilde's like, oh yeah, she might blow up, uh, you know, they're gonna squeeze her, like all nonchalant, like it was yeah. like nothing. I love and, it too. Uh, <laughs> and then he plays his little flute, that weird little flute that he and the Oompa Loompas, t- you know, come out and get them. Um, but yeah, I just I like I you know, it's interesting to see Charlie Bucket compared to the you know the kids like Mike TV is like kind of a dick with his like cowboy suit. And, like, I hate that kid's voice so much. Oh yeah. It's so much cool. like just with a burning pot passion. I hate that kid's voice. And then, and then Veruca Salt, you know, I want it now, daddy. You know, <laughs> it's so annoying. So, but yeah, I, I just love that Charlie Bucket. And I think that what, what is interesting to me is that he kind of, it kind of reminded me a little bit like Harry Potter 
like that kid that's like under yeah. poor circumstances that kind of rises above, you know, his, his, his station and becomes like a wizard or becomes the owner of a chocolate factory that he's kind of like the chosen one, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of like what JK Rowling takes from, uh, you know, a lot of what JK Rowling does for Harry Potter, kind of, she kind of takes from like Roald Dahl and like certain themes yeah. and like characters of Roald Dahl and like, kind of expands upon them. So that was kind of interesting and, Magical candy, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but just thinking about Charlie Bucket, though, like the character, I think the things that really excel in this movie, it's particularly Charlie and the grandpa have a lot of chemistry together that works really well, and um, the chemistry with Charlie and and Willy Wonka and Gene Wilder. So it, the the kid is just perfect. Because I, I was watching the you know the Tim Burton one. What's uh Freddie Highmore, correct? Right? He's probably a better yeah. actor. Yeah. But there's just something about the original actor who I don't even have his name in front of me Peter who played Austin. Charlie that oh, yeah, yeah, he he just something about him just as a person, I think, that is fundamentally that kind of way. I I, I, I saw the documentary where they were talking about what the different kids do. Um, I don't remember all of them. Mike TV's like a financial analyst now, of course. I actually um, met him. Different it, things, but I actually the, met him and had dinner with him at uh, at Austin Comic Con years and years and years and years ago. I was stuck at basically at his table. I couldn't move because uh, Hayden Pantiera, because this was around like when Heroes was com- came out, and like she was coming through, and like I was like stuck in between her line. And then like, and then he was, he was right. He was like two things next to her. And then it was the person who played, um, not Violet, but the other one, the brat. Um, it was Veruca. Veruca. It was both of them. And then it was, um, Hercules from the nineties. Why am I forgetting his name? Kevin Sorbo. Kevin Sorbo and his line. So I was like stuck. So I just talked to them both for the longest time. And Veruca Salt was actually like, she wasn't wheelchair bound, but she did have a wheelchair and it was a lot easier for her to get around. But Mike was still there. We were talking about Star Trek and we were just joking around. And he was like, I don't know where to get dinner around here. And I was like, oh, I'd love to. And uh, Doug Jones was actually supposed to join us as well, but wasn't unable to do so uh, because uh, he got pulled into a different uh, a different thing. And then he also offered me, a, but uh, yeah, the guy who did my TV also uh, invited me to the screening of Charlie and Talking Factory, and I I couldn't go because of um I was I was too young, I was too late, but yeah, <laughs> that's cool. But anyway, what I wanted to say about that's that's awesome. What I want to say about Charlie Bucket, the actor, he went on to become a veterinarian. You know, yes. like just that when you hear that, that's that guy. He only that's did the this film. That, that that yeah, that just cares about. And and it's I feel like it must be fundamentally who he is that just that it was why it works. It's like the part that the one and only movie role he was meant to play <laughs> and one and only character he was meant to be is Charlie Bucket, and it just lands perfectly. It's per like this perfect casting and um, the moments with him like when Paul was talking about where he dares to kind of be hopeful and dream, and then he opens a chocolate bar and then there's no ticket and he says to his grandfather i bet those golden tickets make the chocolate taste terrible just like trying to still make it it's like it's okay this is it the chocolate tastes better because the golden ticket's not in it just the character it's so strong like yeah what what there's some things that definitely don't work about this movie watching it back but what what why it is 
like a historically significant movie, those things are so exponentially good. I think he, he's a great actor. He was a great, he's a great child actor, you know, and uh, good for him for, you know, giving it up to do something that you care about more. And I think the thing is with him is just, he has a sincerity yeah. that I think is hard to, for a child actor to put out. And, and, you know, he, he feels like a real kid. Like yeah. every time I see his performance, I don't yeah. think, Oh, this kid's acting like a kid. He's like, He's a real kid, and uh, you know when he gets that golden ticket, it's like it's. I mean, you feel really happy for him because you really feel that he deserves it. Yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, he does a great job. Um, one thing I wanted to point out is the uh, when the Oompa Loompas are dancing, um, you see like these words flash up, and actually, that's one of like the earliest uses of vector graphics. Oh wow! Um, for computer animation, and so like, like later on, that you know, kind of evolved in like Pixar and How to Train Your Dragon, all that stuff. Um, so, but yeah, that was like one of the earliest uses of like That's you crazy. know CGI was those vector graphics putting out the words. I did not know that. I, yeah. I'm I'm actually reading up on some things uh, as well, and I stumbled upon um, the one who uh, the one who played uh, Violet. Uh, did you know that she originally uh, auditioned for the role for Princess Leia? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Huh. Anyway. So, yeah. um, and then another thing that... Did she get it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out when it comes out next year. You kidding. know, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find out when she was no, the we'll, body double. We'll find out when we do a podcast about that movie. Yeah. Right? <laughs> in, in Rogue One, she was the body double that they CGI'd Carrie Fisher's face over. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and oh, another thing that uh, was interesting, have you guys seen Lost? Do you remember that show? Yeah. yeah. It's a famous so, show. Yeah. Famous show. The, yeah. <laughs> so the, the very basic plot of Lost is very similar to... Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you have all the parental issues that all the characters had. You have candidates like the children they were chosen by the golden ticket. The island is like the Chocolate Factory. Jacob is like Willy Wonka. He's trying to choose his successor based on who's the best of the candidates. Yeah. The man in black is like Slugworth, you know, the, the, <laughs> the evil opposite. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of commonalities between the plot of Lost, or the basic plot of Lost, and Willy Wonka, which I thought was pretty interesting. That's crazy. Who's the character of Desmond, then? Desmond? Maybe Grandpa just, Joe? <laughs> uh, I, was, I, I was hoping you say Charlie, because you know why Penny is named Penny in Penelope? It's because of that the, the character on Lost, of Desmond, and his Penny that he would pursue, which is based on Lady Penelope from... The uh, Odyssey, yeah. right? Uh, the like, who is this? And we named Penelope Penelope because it's like we we wanted her to have a name of a of a person that is worthy of this epic quest that you would go on. You go to the ends of the earth to get this person back in your life and keep this person in your life, and that's why Penny is named Penelope. Oh so, wow! Because of oh. Desmond, and also for that loss. And we're not like super huge Lost fans, but we loved that character and what it personified in that quest for, for, for Penny. That whole relationship with Desmond and Penny and how they're trying, you know, like, I love that 
that whole you know a lot of people that's that's the one thing that bothers me like i love lost i think it's a great show and i won't go too in deep in depth with this because it's probably really wonka but i think it's a great show and like moments like that like great character moments are really what makes it uh elevates it yeah on a whole level and um everybody kind of takes the six seasons and they think oh the ending sucked and then that's it but if you really watch a show there's so much depth to it and so much yeah. great stories great characters that are kind of thrown by the wayside because of that but yeah I, particularly in the early seasons like there's some like those first like certainly two seasons i would say really 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 See, fantastic I, stuff i didn't yeah. like, i didn't like the second season so i stopped watching it <laughs> <laughs> but i know but anyway, the ending i watched the last season it was very confused I've never seen the last season. I haven't actually seen the end of it. <laughs> just well, to be fair, like there's a certain point where I'm just bored with it and kind of over it. So even though we kind of sort of named our daughter after a character on that show. <laughs> so anyway, Willy Wonka. Yeah. <laughs> Willy Wonka. I mean, it, it's, it's a good film. Uh, not my favorite, uh, but it is, I mean, it, it's, it's an achievement, man. I, I, it's really hard to talk about this film because of like, you know, it, it's one of those movies that I just universally liked, and I'm just one of those few people, and I was a few, one of those few kids who just didn't care for it because of it just felt so off, and not even just because of, like, the content of, like, how dark and weird it was, but it was just, like, like the slug, whatever that guy's name is, and the Candyman song, and, like, some of the songs are in it so bad, like the, like the Come Home Charlie or the Charlie whatever, like, the mom song is so bad. It's so bad. And, um, yeah, the mom song is pretty awful. Watching, it's funny. The first, like the Candyman song, I don't hate it, but that song and the mom song, those like two, I'm like, yeah, like these are you. You forget those songs because the other songs are so good, but those songs are the mom song is not good at all. Yeah, really, 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 really bad. Like I'm I'm thinking, why are you letting this woman sing? And then the grandpa sings, (laughs) and that and that song is horrible. And I'm like, oh my god, why are you singing? And like, (laughs) and like, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's like this is one of those movies where it just should have been 20 minute build up and then factory like it's it's so it's so weird that it was just and like the factory like watching it now the factory is so rushed like i don't know if it was because of budget or whatnot but like i mean that's what three million dollars buys you in 1970 i think that's what you're seeing you know what i mean because even then that's not a ton of money to spend on that kind of a you know what's supposed to be a big fantasy movie yeah but at that, that t- I mean, at that time, but uh, yeah, watching it though, um, I, I do say I like. I think Paul kind of uh, was on the same page as me. I'm watching it though, even though I forgot how long it takes to get to the factory, I actually like it that way. And it, part of it is because I like a lot of the gags that they do there. The news stuff is really funny. The the computers thing Paul mentioned. There's a lot of really funny bits in there. Plus, you get really good Charlie character stuff. Yeah. I do feel like. Uh, within that things that you could cut out are like Charlie Candyman song, mom song, things like that. Some of the grandparents in the bed, maybe stuff so that you could get there a little bit quicker, but not like maybe, you know, like maybe 15 minutes, 10 minutes less. But I, yeah. I do, there's a lot of things I like in there that, that build the anticipation to getting to that point of the factory. And I'll say this watching it, part of it, watching it now, the factory, like, like you kind of said, Tyler, seeing it now, it's like, yeah, this is kind of janky. Whereas when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, 
but now like that's it yeah <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> it definitely feels like a set it's not as yeah. majestic and and the thing is like you know when the movie came out i don't think i think the idea of even like a blockbuster wasn't a thing yet i don't think i think jaws was the first blockbuster right yeah, yeah, but like, there were still big, like big studio films. Like we yeah. talked about, Wizard of Oz going back for many, many years. I mean, yeah, um, I mean, so it's not like it's it didn't happen. Biblical epics would be the blockbusters of the day, yeah, right? Cl- Clash of the Historical, Titans and stuff. Yeah, yeah, those kind of movies. Well, Clash of the Titans was but, a little bit later, but in the '60s, things like Ben Hur, um, movies like that were it's like a mad, those mad, were mad, big, mad world. It didn't. Yeah, exactly. Those were the, those were the big. That that was the equivalent of today's like blockbuster. Music was this, a little bit different. Was this movie marketed in that way, or it just was it marketed as like here's a movie? I don't think so. I think it was it was a significantly lower budget than some of those films. I like believe. I kind of get the impression that it was like marketed almost like those you know Disney films in the '60s, like Old Yeller. Yeah. Kind of like kind of under the radar, like here they are, enjoy them. So yeah, like this, that's exactly what it was. It made, uh, like I said, it made four point five million at the box office on a three million dollar budget, right? So it's a profitable film. You make it, you get that's it's like that model where you can make it for X amount of dollars, get it out in the world, and make money off of it without breaking the bank. You don't make a ton of money, but you make money. You don't lose yeah. money on it. Like that was what a lot of those kind of films you're talking about were, although. Those Disney films were probably significantly cheaper, like the old yellers of the world, you know, as yeah. opposed to something like um, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, which is a much bigger budget Disney film. So it's 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 definitely still on the low end on that. So yeah, it's and it was a it was very much a kids movie, you know. Yeah, and I think it was before the idea of the four quadrant kind of film existed. You know, that every market would want to watch this movie kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like the look at this movie as a movie that's very sincere and very timeless. And you know, I, you know, maybe the sets don't look as great as they should, but I like that simplicity. Yeah, you know, I like, mean, it's, it still takes it takes place in a factory. Like it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like Gene Wilder's performance, Peter Ostrom, everybody that does like such a great job. I I love the you know the uh, world of imagination that song. There's so many memorable moments yeah. in that movie, and I, you know, I think that even a kid today, if they were to watch that, I think they would be nostalgic for this movie because, like, when I saw it, I was, gosh, probably like eight or nine, and it was a movie day at in my class, and we were watching this on like a VCR on top of like this like steel TV stand that was like strapped down like earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> And so we're watching it. Roll in, roll room to room. And it's been like, you know, 30 years later, and I still look back at this movie fondly. And, you know, you can put all the special effects in the world on a move on a movie, but if there's not a good story, good characters, yeah, there's not the sincerity in the heart there, like it won't stand the test of time. And so I think I look at this movie and I think that, you know, if you were penny were to watch it, I think 30 years from now she'd be nostalgic about it and talk about it too. You know, it's just one of those timeless movies. And um, I think it's it just always will be that way. Yeah. You know? I agree. And one of the things, like you said about the, the one of the things, even though the sets might not be as sophisticated and fancy and as, as we want them, they were still impressive enough to me as a kid that, like I said, I loved watching the stuff at the factory. 
And I read that the kids in the scene, the, the first time on camera in the film when they're seeing, they're entering the great, you know, big room with the waterfall and all that stuff, that's yeah. them seeing it for the first time. And it's yeah. sincere. They're reacting to it. And because even if I were to see that today as an adult walking in, I would be impressed by that. Yeah, you know, especially I would, like watching then. it. Exactly. Watch and watching it though, I was thinking like it reminds me kind of like if you know like as opposed to a movie set, like maybe like something you would see at like an amusement park that you're like, oh, this is cool, and it's it, it kind of grabs you in that way. That's kind of the way this felt to me, like the sets, the, the, the set design aspect of it at least. Yeah. So, uh, but knowing that, and I, it would be really interesting. I'm sure Penny would actually like this movie now. As a three-year-old, she might not have much tolerance for that first part, but once you get to the factory where there's, you know, like world of candy, a chocolate river, there's kids that are becoming, you know, grapefruits or whatever, getting stretched, yeah. shrunk down, the Mike TV thing, she would love all that stuff. She totally yeah. would. Like I know she would. Like I could just, but I, I, it's, I would have to skip the first forty-five minutes for her to be into the movie. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> she is three, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know the funny thing is i actually read when i was a kid i read the charlie and the glass elevator or the great gas elevator uh book and it's kind of neat because it like goes to the moon and like encounters aliens and all this other stuff and it it kind of would have been neat if they actually did a sequel to it with gene wilder i think it really would have worked yeah. really well i've never actually read the sequel as much as i loved the first book as a kid, I've not. I haven't read. read I haven't it. read either one of them. Yeah. Is there a third it's, one? It's not bad. I mean, the last time I read it, I was like, six I don't think, or something. I was like really young, so I don't remember too much of the story details. But, uh, you know, if you're a kid, it's worth reading. You know, it's it's yeah. a good, a good, good book. Um, yeah, it, it's. I feel kind of bad because there's not much to really say about this. It's kind of it's a classic, and it's kind of hard to put like your own spin on this, on this movie. It's kind of, it's so ingrained in our pop culture. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's like, it's different. Right. It's different than even anything we've kind of talked about because it's that it's significant in a different way. It's, it's like iconically significant. It's like yeah. it almost, it's almost to the point where the content doesn't matter as much anymore. Cause it's just so important as just an entity. So yeah, like it transcends the material by far. Um, and yeah, a lot of that has to do with Gene Wilder. His performance is just, uh, you know, amazing. He, he is he um, is phenomenal. You know, I was thinking when when that, that in that creepy tunnel, I feel like that sequence in the creepy tunnel is like all of the year twenty twenty so far. Exactly <laughs> <laughs> that creepy tunnel. Don't know where we're going. It's just like like what in the world is happening here? <laughs> like we still have what is it? April? No, May. <laughs> We still have seven months to go. Uh, yeah, it's May. <laughs> so we're like not even we're halfway. We're you know, as part of the creepy tunnel, we're at the part where the chicken's head gets cut off. That's where we're we're at. And we still have a long way to go. Um, yeah, it's funny, watch it was you know, I was in like just after college and I was living in Colorado at the time for a year. I was like working with troubled teens and my mom and my brother came out to visit me and the movie was on television. At the hotel that my mom and my brother were staying at, so I came from where I was working, and I like went over to pick them up, and I was hanging out in the hotel. My brother's watching the movie. He's like, "Man, did you remember how freaky this movie was?" Because <laughs> like he had not watched it since he was a kid, and it was that sequence <laughs> where he's watching. I'm like, "Yeah, I kind of, I don't know if I block that part out of my head because I just think of like 
not like the pure joy of the scene, but the t- absolute terror of it where we're watching it, you know, at that point in our 20s. So, yeah. So I want to ask you, Tyler, because you're kind of in the, mi- well, kind of in the minority that no, you don't really like the film. <laughs> what would you do to fix it? What would you do to make it better in your eyes? Oh, I think I already said it. Just get to the factory. Cut out some of the bad songs. Um, you know, maybe slow down. Um, they they spend a lot of time for you to kind of get to know the kids at the beginning, and then you don't really get to know them in, during the movie, except for maybe I think Mike TV and Veruca are the ones that you care that you actually know at all. Like, I, but like, and you understand them a little bit more. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, Augustus gets shafted. And even Violet, you're just kind of like, I don't really care or know. Like, I didn't understand that, like, the chewing thing didn't even seem like a big thing at all, where, like, Tim Burton's version did. Um, I, I think this probably would have been, would have been, like, maybe a little bit more, just in the fact, like, more jokes, more something, more weird stuff. Like, Gene Wilder, who was an amazing improv, uh, improver, too, like, have him just be weird and go on tangents and stuff like that, and, like, and confuse the kids and whatnot, like, I don't know. That's what they could have done. I just I did not really care for it. the new stuff. I know you guys liked it. I didn't. I guess like I understood what they were going for, but it got old a little bit. And I don't know. I I just this just this, this, I just this movie just doesn't work for me. And I think that's what it is: is getting it to the maybe what Tim Burton wanted to do or what what he did. And I think he probably like wanted to do was just get to the factory, like everything else, like build it up, get everybody to understand who every character is, and then. Expand on them in the factory and not before. So, I kind of wish we had more time in the factory, and I kind of wish that because uh, in, in in the book in the Great Glass Elevator, what happens is it begins with them going to Charlie Bucket's house and getting all of his relatives, yeah, and tell them, "Hey, you're moving into the factory." And so, if we kind of had maybe that, maybe if it ended on that note when they're in Charlie Bucket's house. And they're telling his whole family, like, hey, yeah. Charlie owns a factory. And so it kind of ends on like a, you know, crescendo. Like, but, you know, the way the movie ends is you're up, up there. Well, I, w- I would argue that it, it ends you know? on the crescendo. It literally ends on the highest possible note as they're rocketing through the sky. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like literally. It's <laughs> actually ending about, on a high note. <laughs> I mean, I, I, feel, I feel bad for the parents and I feel bad for the other grandparents who miss out on all this stuff and they get to tell them. Like, way later on, oh, yeah, by the way, I own the factory now. And it's kind of like, you know, like, oh, man, I feel so bad for those other grandparents <laughs> who got shafted. I kind of think of it this way. Like, they had that crane shot of them shooting up, you know, out of the uh, out of the factory, and then they just ran out of money. So, like, oh, fuck it, we have to end it. <laughs> we'll just end the movie. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, so I... Um, I don't care enough about the other grandparents to go back to them. Oh, really? so. I mean, <laughs> so Charlie does. If, if, okay. Let's say, for instance, you you were one of the kids. You got the golden ticket. You were given a gobstopper. Would you sell? Uh, would you sell Willy Wonka out and give the Slugworth? Or, you know, what would you have done in, in that same situation? Nah, I wouldn't have. No, I would not have. I'm, I wasn't. I like literally, legitimately wasn't that kid. I'd be too afraid yeah. if that was the guy. First of all, I'd be too afraid of Slugworth as he appeared. He was just terrifying. How, how, so I would be too afraid how, just of him. How hilarious would it be if like 
if like one of the kids like turned that guy into the police and <laughs> he gets arrested. <laughs> and Willy Wonka's like, well, my best man is in jail right now for uh, for going up to a kid. <laughs> it, yeah, it blew up in Willy Wonka's face. His whole scheme to test yeah. the kids with Slugworth. I think uh, I honestly probably would have just you know left after like you know Willy Wonka's like you lose. I'm sorry, sir. Good day, sir. Good day. And I probably would have just left. I wouldn't have went back and gave him the gobstopper. I would have just been like, man, my life is miserable and like nothing came of it. And this piece that of sucks. shit guy is yelling at me. <laughs> yeah. And like I had dreams, but they were dashed by Willy Wonka. Like, yeah, I probably I probably would have thrown it at him, like, fine, and then like throw threw it at him to like try to hurt him too. And then and then stormed off. That's probably what I would have done. And I like how, uh, you know, the good day, sir. I, I don't, I don't want to make my, I, yeah, I don't want to make myself sound too noble, but I, I hope that I would have done exactly what Charlie did. Like, I feel like one, the reason I, I write is, and I care about people and I've always been good with empathy, which some people in our world are not. And I think that that's what Charlie has. But that's the he, thing is he has empathy and he can see who Willie really is. And he can see hmm. that he's the, just a person that's hurting. And sure, he's acting like an idiot, but Charlie's like, I'm suffering. And Charlie is like, you're suffering too. Even though you have all this, you're kind of alone over here. And I think that's why Charlie is Charlie. Yeah. You can question William Wonka's motive in a separate sort of way, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely also, think... I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the, uh, like candy, you have to suck. So well, was, yeah. see, I, I wasn't even that that sympathetic with that Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka. I don't know why. I was more I was more sympathetic with John uh, with Johnny Depp's because Johnny Depp, like you see him with flashbacks and you see him distraught and you see him sad. Where Willy Wonka in this, you see him more as just a weirdo and he's just trying to have fun with people. I think it's different though. I think that that movie beats you over the head with it. Yeah, that's the part I didn't like. Whereas, like, it's like, yes, be sympathetic because because if you didn't have that, and Johnny Depp is so creepy and weird in that movie, if you if you didn't have that, you'd be like, hey, it's Michael Jackson from our which we touched on in our hook episode, <laughs> which we'll yeah. leave with that. But I think the Gene Wilder, it's just there's there's a there's something about like he. I feel like just as a performer, if you were to see that person in real life, you would just be so interested in him and just so captivated by him. That you might not know if you like them or not, but yeah. you want to figure out if you do. If that makes sense, no, that's kind of. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree, but that's the thing is, like, I still don't understand him though. That's why I don't sympathize with him. Like, I, I am intrigued, but I'm not. But I don't connect. You know, I kind of. Uh, I don't know. I always was very empathetic to to, you know, Billy Wonka, and kind of wondered like what why is he that way? Like, why is he so eccentric? Is it because he's living alone with his Oompa Loompas? Like, why is he that way? And so I think, like, I look at Charlie Bucket and I always, I kind of look at his, at his character as like somebody who honestly is like a better person than I am. Like, I feel like he's somebody that I wish I could aspire to or be like that to where I would, you know, be empathetic and give, the candy bag to Willy Wonka. Um, like I'm hope like Josiah said, uh, I'm hoping I would be that way. Yeah. But 
Um, and so that's what I really love about Charlie Bucket is that he, you know, he's just, just a, you know, very like a just a very good person, and I, I really, you know, kind of gravitate towards that, you know, how, how just a just good person he is, and yeah. Uh, and, and I'll say I'll say this about myself. Just going back to the question of the the everlasting gobstopper, would you put it on the desk? I probably wouldn't have taken it when Willie gave it. I would yeah. I would have been like. Uh, no, because I would know what that thing meant, and it would scare me too much to even take it from yeah. from him there. <laughs> it's like I don't want that power. <laughs> like, so I wouldn't have had it to have that dramatic moment where I put it back on his table. I wouldn't have just been like, "No, I'm good, thanks." Yeah. I just ate a, a piece of that tree, so I'm full. Nope. Um, yeah. So I just want to close out. And uh, you guys, have any final thoughts about this movie? Um. No, I mean, I'm glad I revisited it. It's it's nice to watch it again. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. I just, I didn't like it as a kid, so I had zero desire to watch it again. So I'm, I'm glad I watched it again. Good, good. You, and I, I'm glad I watched it again, too. Like, I, I, I liked it quite a lot as a kid. I would never say I loved it, but I really did like it a lot and enjoyed it and enjoyed watching it again with different eyes as an adult and it's something it's one of those movies that i look forward to watching down the line with my kids i i can say that and sharing the songs in particular that's what the good songs not the mom song but the good song sharing those with the girls <laughs> i mean i'd have to say just it's one of those movies that just you know whenever i see it it cheers me up it's just it's such uh, just for me just on a nostalgic level it works so well and it works so well now and so it's hard to be like analytical about it because it just it just like holds a special place in my heart this movie um and it's hard to i don't know it's just hard to pick it apart Hmm. and it's kind of funny kind of funny to be in in that situation because like you know like when we (laughs) reviewed green lantern there's like so much to pick apart yeah there's just like and even hook you know there's like so many it's a lot easier to hate as opposed to um you know, to talk about the good things. You know, that's why, like, you look at Yelp and stuff yeah. like that. It's a lot easier for you to write a negative review than a positive one. Yeah, like Hook, I see just a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah, you know, and like, you know, I look at Hook, and it's like if they just fix things here and there, editing, all that stuff, it could have been a classic in the way that this movie is. Yeah, that it it would have resonated with children nowadays as well. You know, because I think yeah, if I were to compare the two movies. I think Hook, over time, will kind of get lost and like people will just kind of forget about it, and we'll you know we'll still look at it fondly, but it won't. I really doubt like kids are going to look at it and you know and, and be nostalgic. But I think this this movie, kids will look at it and be really nostalgic about it, and you know show their kids this movie, like you know like Star Wars or like Ghostbusters, like it's just one of those movies that will endure from you know as time goes on, and so. Yeah, no, I just I, I love this movie. It's hard to, you know, and, and that's the thing. Just because I don't like it doesn't like this movie is well made. Like, like the the choices I I want I want them to make is, you know, it, it may not be from I I recognize it's not probably for most people. Like like this movie is made so well, and it is a it is it is a feat for um, you know, for what it is, especially for such a low budget compared to the other movies. Like I didn't really know about. Like that—that's the thing. Of like, it's just—it's my—it was my personal taste, but I understand and I recognize that this is a, this is a classic, and this is one of those movies. Like, this is a big deal, and the choices that were made were great. It's just I'm not—I'm not the audience for it. 
Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, um, and I think in movies like this that are considered classics, I think it's always great to kind of be open to the, you know, different opinions because, you know, like, like movies like this are just like widely regarded as a classic. And I always like hearing like when people like, like for you, like for instance yourself, don't like the movie. I like hearing their opinions and the reasoning yeah. behind because it. it's kind of interesting to hear that. And I think that one thing that's like clear though, it's like even if you don't like it, it's a hard movie to hate. Yeah, you know oh, I mean? yeah. it's yeah, just sure. one of those movies. It's hard to really hate. Like, might not like it. Like, I don't love it, but I like it a lot. But I could, I can't see hating it. But I'm sure there are some. But it just, I, I don't hate it. There's, I, just, there's, I just rather yeah, I know, not I know, watch. But yeah, I'm saying there's enough. There's enough things in this movie that there's something you're going to grab onto and say, "Oh, that that works. That works for me." You know. Yeah. So, uh, so one thing is, uh, I back in the day, I used to play Animal Crossing on GameCube, and you could put like a song for your town, and my song was "World of Pure Imagination." So whenever <laughs> you visit my town, it would play that, and it would play that, and. Uh, yeah, I just oh, and another thing is, I uh, when I was a little kid, I had uh, an aunt that would take care of elderly people, and they were always in their bed, and so I'd go and visit them, and so like they'd have two people in the bed, and so like that whole thing with the grandparents <laughs> and Charlie Bucket, like I used to deal with that, like when I was a little kid, so it's like it was a very specific thing in my childhood that like I was like, wow, that's weird that that's in this movie. And they have bedpans too under there when you oh, like there's the like, bedpans. They were like really old people. And the thing is, like, I'm half Filipino, half German, and like I always would have like random Filipino relatives like staying with my aunt, and they would lay down on these beds and I'd visit them. And they're always like, some of them are super old and like bedridden. And I don't know, it's just weird to see like a very specific thing to the story actually like from my life. So. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that's that's about that. I'm gonna wrap up Willy Wonka, nice. and uh, you know, thank you guys for for joining me on this wonderful <laughs> discussion of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, hope you all are staying safe and and healthy. And yeah, anything you guys want to say in the the anything you guys want to plug? No, I mean hopefully hopefully the next episode we can do in person. Oh yeah, no, I would love that. I would love that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. So, so you can find me at Josiah is right W R I T E where I talk about stuff like this, and you can see myself usually just me talking about it. But Penny, my kid, is with me. I talked about her a bit in this video. Is it is a kids movie? And the last thing I have is my favorite line from the movie, and the creepy way Gene Wilder says it. I won't do it any justice, but we are the music makers. We are the dreamers of dreams. Nice, but yeah, that's really nice. Like. And I am the nightmare. I'm just kidding. No. Um, <laughs> and I ruin, and that's how you ruin it. All righty. Well, thanks for listening. I'm going to cry myself to sleep tonight. That's all I know now. <laughs> thanks for listening. And you can check out all of our shows and offerings on thegrankygathering.com. All of our podcasts are available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everything else. Please rate and review. That would be awesome. And don't forget that our YouTube has uh, Let's Plays and also this show, as well as our new baking show. The Grand Geek Eatery, and uh, our music has been provided by Carlisle Laurent. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, don't forget that I stream on Twitch. So come and join the gathering. Have a great week. Be safe. Wash your hands. Um, you know, say hi. 
<laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah. that goes a long way. Yeah, exactly. Especially behind masks when you're yeah, out. You know, do a somersault. Be a Charlie Bucket. You know, more people in this yeah. world need a Charlie Bucket. Be Charlie Bucket. Don't be a Veruca Salt. Yeah, get people okay. gobstoppers. At least if you're going to be another character other than Charlie Bucket, be Gene Wilder so you're Willy Wonka, so at least you're interesting. Yeah, do a somersault. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and kind of terrifying <laughs> at times. <laughs> and GGG. What's on the silver screen? I got some takes you wouldn't believe. Grand.